A special thanks goes out to the folks at Spotify for bringing you this podcast. Hello again, everyone. Today, we may be close to planets in our solar system, but we're receiving signals from planets in other galaxies. I'm Tom Zania, and this is Tom Read Your Story. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Reads Your Story, the number one spoken word podcast on the web for audiobooks, social media posts, current events, and just plain whatever. So let's start the show. For the next half hour, I'll be your host. I'm voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And we are back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Tom Read Your Story, the number one spoken word podcast here in America. I'm Tom Zania. I'm a podcaster, a voice actor, a stage actor, a sometime camera actor. Um, but you certainly won't remember ever seeing me uh, in anything besides a crowd scene. So <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for coming along today. I, I I'm feel compelled to talk about space again. I, uh, I've made it known on the show that I enjoy that kind of thing every once in a while. I'm not, I'm not totally preoccupied by it, but I find it very interesting. Uh, our reawakening into space exploration after Apollo is moving very slowly, but nevertheless, it is moving with all these private um, space organizations like uh, Elon Musk and, and uh, what's his name from Amazon and, and uh, these, these private organizations that uh, want to put a man uh, or a woman on Mars. Um, we don't talk about much of what we really know about our solar system. And the fact is, we really can't go anywhere else besides the moon and Mars. And this little thing that I'm going to play for you is something that'll tell you why we're very limited as to where we can go in our solar system. Listen to this. It's from Quora. I'm pretty sure that the only planet we might be able to visit is Mars, maybe Mercury. That's about it. Why, you ask? Well, for starters, Mars is fairly close and would not take too long to arrive to its surface. It would take about nine months. It is also an Earth-like planet, aside from its atmosphere and low gravity, and humans would be able to live and adapt with the proper equipment. Mercury is a bit harder to visit and to adapt as well. Not only would it take a bit more time, but its conditions are unusual. One side of the planet is scorching hot while the other is freezing cold. As Tyson stated, we could reside in a zone of both sides, but that would be a bit of a hassle. And besides, there is no benefit for us to even waste our resources to visit the planet. 
As for the other planets, it would be nearly impossible to visit them without having a huge flop or a fatality if a person goes. This is because the conditions on the other planets are too harsh for human survival, even with professional equipment. For instance, Venus might be closer to Earth than Mercury, but its temperature is too intense, around 800 to 900 degrees Fahrenheit. Even if we land, it wouldn't take long before we die of overheating or dehydration. I've been told that the spaceships are built to withstand higher temperatures, and I agree to that. But as for human activity, Venus's conditions are a bit too harsh. The above photo demonstrates the clouds full of sulfur, which, by the way, results in constant acid rain. The probe which captured this photo was completely fried about 100 to 150 minutes after landing on the planet. As for the other planets, we would not even be able to land on them. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune are gas giants, which are planets made out of gas with no solid surface. That means that you literally cannot land on these planets. Although, the deeper you go, the denser the gases become, turning into viscous liquids. Even if the four outer planets of the solar system did have a surface to land on, their conditions are, as said before, too extreme. Jupiter's gravitational pull and pressure is too strong. Saturn's gases are toxic and cold. Uranus's pressure and freezing temperatures are enough to turn you into a diamond. And Neptune's winds are faster than the speed of sound. Yeah, the outer planets are crazy and uninhabitable. Even though we might not be able to see what is inside other planets, at least we can enjoy their beauty from a distance. Luckily, Mars seems to be the planet which we will visit within the next decades. I do not claim that the advance of new technology is useless to our progress as a species. In fact, the better the technology, the higher the chances are in order to visit places we once never thought we could. However, I do believe that we should improve our technology in ways that will give us something in return. Nevertheless, with technology advancing at an extremely fast rate, there is hope that we will be able to visit other planets. Now, the ironic thing about all this is that we seem to be learning more about faraway galaxies than our limited information about our own solar system. Did you know it takes, I mean, even the closest, the absolute closest galaxy, which is Andromeda, is 6,300 years away. That's how long it would take to get there. So when we think about communicating with other galaxies, we're talking about radio signals. And this, you're going to have to open your mind a little bit about this. This is about radio signals that we've received lately. This is from uh, the McGill Newsroom, McGill University in uh, Montreal. From McGill University in Montreal and the McGill Newsroom, astronomers capture radio signal from distant galaxy. Probing galaxies at much greater distances from Earth may now be within reach. 
How do stars form in distant galaxies? Astronomers have long been trying to answer this question by detecting radio signals emitted by nearby galaxies. However, these signals become weaker the further away a galaxy is from Earth, making it difficult for current radio telescopes to pick up. Now, researchers from Montreal and India have captured a radio signal from the most distant galaxy so far at a specific wavelength known as the 21CM line, allowing astronomers to peer into the secrets of the early universe. With the help of the giant Mitra Wave radio telescope in India, this is the first time this type of radio signal has been detected at such a large distance. A galaxy emits different kinds of radio signals. Until now, it's only been possible to capture this particular signal from a galaxy nearby, limiting our knowledge to those galaxies closer to Earth, says Arnab Chakraborty, a postdoctoral researcher at McGill University, under the supervision of Professor Matt Dobbs. But thanks to the help of a naturally occurring phenomenon called gravitational lensing, we can capture a faint signal from a record-breaking distance. This will help us understand the composition of galaxies at much greater distances from Earth, he adds. A look back in time to the early universe. For the first time, the researchers were able to detect the signal from a distant star-forming galaxy known as SDSS J0826 plus 5630 and measure its gas composition. The researchers observed the atomic mass of the gas content of this particular galaxy is almost twice the mass of the stars visible to us. The signal detected by the team was emitted from this galaxy when the universe was only 4.9 billion years old, enabling the researchers to glimpse into the secrets of the early universe. It's the equivalent to a look back in time of 8.8 .8 billion years, says Chakraborty, who studies cosmology at McGill's Department of Physics and the Trotter Space Institute at McGill. Picking up the signal from a distant galaxy. Gravitational lensing magnifies the signal coming from a distant object to help us peer into the early universe. In this specific case, the signal is bent by the presence of another massive body, another galaxy, between the target and the observer. This effectively results in the magnification of the signal by a factor of 30, allowing the telescope to pick it up, says co-author co Nirpuam Roy, an associate professor in the Department of Physics at the Indian Institute of Science. According to the researchers, these results demonstrate the feasibility of observing faraway galaxies in similar situations with gravitational lensing. It also opens exciting new opportunities for probing the cosmic evolution of stars and galaxies with existing low-frequency radio telescopes. Hmm, something to think about. Um, if you are into this sort of thing, uh, it, it leaves room for a lot of reading about the subject of just space exploration of just space exploration in general, and 
you know that I find it very interesting and I've, I've done some things about it before, but uh, keep an eye on what uh, these private space organizations are up to. Uh, I, I'm really interested in seeing how, not only how far they go, but how fast they get there uh, as far as exploring other parts of space besides, well, Mars is going to take a while, but, uh, you know, there's, there's probes, there's other things they can do in regards to, um, exploring our galaxy and, and maybe even going beyond that, if that's even possible, because technology has so much to do with it. So what I want to play is, um, this thing from Carl Sagan, which I have played before, it's called Man in His Arrogance. I recorded it, uh, gosh, um, maybe eight years ago. Oh, that's a guess. Uh, and right after that, um, we'll close with that piece of music that you hear at the beginning of Star Trek. I mean, the old first Star Trek where Shatner is talking about where no man has gone before. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. Portions were pre-recorded. Please tell your friends if you enjoyed your visit today because we're always looking for new ones. Thanks. Spotify for this opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. And like I said, let's close with this from Carl Sagan and from Star Trek. Take care, everyone. Thanks for coming. I'm Tom Zania for Tom Reads Your Story. Bye-bye now. See that star? It might not be there anymore. It might be gone by now, exploded or something. Its light is still crossing space, just reaching our eyes now. But we don't see it as it is. We see it as it was. Many people experience a stirring sense of wonder when they first confront this simple truth. Why? Why should it be so compelling? The immense distances to the stars and the galaxies means we see everything in the past, some as they were before the Earth came to be. Telescopes are time machines. Long ago, when an early galaxy began to pour light out into the surrounding darkness, no witness could have known that billions of years later, some remote clumps of rock and metal, ice and organic molecules, would fall together to form a place that we call Earth. And surely, nobody could have imagined that life would arise and thinking beings evolve who would one day capture a fraction of that light and would try to puzzle out what sent it on its way. We can recognize here a shortcoming, in some circumstances serious, in our ability to understand the world. Characteristically, willy-nilly, we seem compelled to project our own nature onto nature. Man, in his arrogance, thinks himself a great work worthy of the interposition of a deity. 
Darwin wrote in his notebook, more humble and I think truer to consider himself created from animals. We're Johnny-come-latelys. We live in the cosmic boondocks. We emerged from microbes and muck. Apes are our cousins. Our thoughts are not entirely our own. And on top of that, we're making a mess of our planet and becoming a danger to ourselves. The trapdoor beneath our feet swings open. We find ourselves in bottomless freefall. We are lost in a great darkness, and there is nobody to send out a search party. Given so harsh a reality, of course, we are inclined to shut our eyes and pretend that we are safe and snug at home. That the fall is only a bad dream. If it takes a little myth and ritual to get us through a night that seems endless, who among us cannot sympathize and understand? We long to be here for a purpose, even though, despite such self-deception, none is evident. The significance of our lives and our fragile planet is then determined by our own wisdom and courage. We are the custodians of life's meaning. We long for parents to care for us, to forgive us of our errors, to save us from our childish mistakes. But knowledge is preferable to ignorance. Better by far to embrace the harsh reality than a reassuring fable. Modern science has been a voyage into the unknown, with a lesson in humility waiting at every stop. Our common sense intuitions can be mistaken. Our preferences don't count. We do not live in a privileged reference frame. If we crave some cosmic purpose, then let us find ourselves a worthy goal. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
this is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.